Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And this is the season finale of the Green Beige Podcast for our second season. This, I think, is 32 episodes since just at the beginning of preseason all the way to the draft. And we appreciate all of you who have been with us from then until now. And we hope that you will continue to be with us as soon as we are back because the boys need a break. It's, it's, it's been a long run. So as we've been talking about the draft, we also bring back our draft experts to help us recap what happened this weekend just passed. We have Mr. Mark Thompson and Ricky Nurse. Gentlemen, how's it going? Good. Going well, sir. It's going well. Yeah. Well, I am very glad that you guys could be with us again. Because, as we have been saying all along, the draft is your guys' stuff. It's not really my stuff. And clearly, by the look on AJ's face, it is not his stuff either. But, I mean, that is probably because of, you know, what happens every April by his team. So, we'll, let's not delay. We'll just get straight into it. So, after 262 picks made over three days, and a flurry of transactions that reshape not just this draft, but drafts in years to come. The 2022 NFL draft is finally behind us. And boy, what an exciting draft it was for most of us. From Trayvon Walker to Brock Purdy, 2022's Mr. Irrelevant, many young men's lives were forever changed by what happened this weekend. And then the several more were picked up right after the draft was complete with dozens upon dozens of undrafted free agents signed by every ball club in the NFL with a low mark of four with the Arizona Cardinals all the way up to 20 players with the Chicago Bears. <laughs> what we know for sure is that these teams and these players are all hoping that the decisions made this weekend will have a significant positive impact on their teams well into the future. Now, one move that was made on draft night that surprised many was the Arizona Cardinals trading their first round pick and more to Baltimore for Marquise Hollywood Brown. Much was made of the immediate reactions of his former quarterback and friend, Lamar Jackson, but then it was announced by Adam Schefter that Arizona wide receiver DeAndre Nuke Hopkins was about to be suspended six games for violation of the NFL's performance-enhancing drugs policy. Maybe they knew this was coming. But this was just one of many earth-shaking moves made in that first round. So, as we look back at this draft, Mark, we'll start with you. What did you make of this first round in its entirety? Right, the first round. Um, well, record number of trades. Beginning at pick 11, you had nine trades, nine trades between pick 11 and pick, well, and pick 32, yeah, between, between. So, I mean, we did a mock draft, but once you start changing around the teams, it's going to be very, very difficult to, to get it right. What I would say, though, um, if we could, you know, blow our hearts a little bit, of the 32 players that we picked in our mock draft, 26 went in the first round. 
We'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't and, know, and a lot you of not do any worse than that next year. Huh? Just you know one, I know one name y'all didn't pick in that first one. I went in that first one. <laughs> I, 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 don't, that. I don't think we could ever pick that name. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I would say also too, we got a lot of the positions right, or in terms of matching up with what the teams. We're also looking for O lines, even if it's not the same O line or in the same position. We got we got a lot of things right. So the first round was started off kind of, you know, boring, but then it just started to get wild. And there was a run on um, on on wide receivers. And I think even the two mock drafts we did showed that there was a possibility of a run on wide receivers, and that is exactly um, what happened. Um, yeah, so I mean, and and people were you know people were trading back up. There are a few um, people that dropped out the first round um, because of probably injury, like say Nicobe Dean, he dropped out of the first round. Um, David Ajabo, you know that was iffy about whether he before or not because we know he's injured. Um, and then Andrew Booth, he was also injured. So those were three picks that we had in the first round that dropped out. We knew about Ajabo being injured. We kind of knew about Booth, probably didn't know it was that serious, uh, but we definitely did not know the level of seriousness of N'Kobe Dean because he dropped all the way down, you know, mm -hmm. so picked him up and maybe he will be a very good player for them. Um, that's it. That's my, my thoughts on the, on the, on the uh, first round. What about you, Ricky? What were your thoughts about yeah. the first round? It was interesting because Mark actually hosted a draft party, and then within that draft party, um, he was on another um, virtual draft party with some big blue New York Giants fans. Um, I kind of crashed it as I want to do, and and uh, but what was interesting for me was the energy. It, it, felt very intense at times because of the number of teams that were willing to trade down. And I think, I remember what we were saying, it would be interesting to see if teams ought to go the, the LA Rams route where you don't really value the high draft picks or if teams start to look at the story of a Cincinnati Bengals and say, wait a minute, we get this right, add it to our free agents. Maybe we can have a Cincinnati Bengals story. And I think we got a bit of both in this draft. There were teams that said, all right, I'm going to move down, accumulate assets a la the Baltimore Ravens and go really hard, let's stay in round four. And then there were teams that said, no, 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 I want to be like the Bengals. I'm going to move up and get the guys that I want and, you know, not, not worry about if I have a certain number of picks but really focusing on the quality of the picks. So that was what made it interesting. And that's why I think we saw nine teams, once we hit pick 12, um, pick 11, we saw nine teams say, all right, let's go. Let's let's move up and down this board. So that, that is what was very intriguing for me. And I mean, a lot of people don't do this, but Mark and I actually watched all three days, um, you know, day one, day two, day three. Day three thing now becoming a bit of a tradition for us. That's how to just go and, and see what goes on. But it was interesting to see that some of these franchises obviously have a lot more hope after what we saw with the Bengals. And you could see that based on how they approach the draft. Okay. What about you, AJ? What 
did you think about the first round in totality? Make sure you win it like that so that I win. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In totality, you want to know um, the total thing first. <laughs> so obviously, as as Mark already mentioned, there was the fact that there was a record number of trades um, happening. It seemed like after a certain point, teams were just and and you know what? It could be one team that just began the the um, domino effect, and then it seemed like everyone was just trading to move up to. To, to get into certain positions, to get um, particular players that they wanted. Um, yeah, I was just kind of really blown away by the trades, the aggressiveness of, of certain teams, um, the lackluster nature of others. Um, yeah, it, it was really like, it was really the trades. Definitely, I think, was my biggest takeaway. And... Just how, just how, like I said, how um, aggressive certain teams were in in trying to move up, um, to 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 basically acquire numbers and not just acquire numbers, but but quality and quality draft quality in terms of the positions in which they they um, were requiring and moved into. Um, yeah, it was it was very interesting to me, and and let me let me. Also know that I was following Ricky's draft picks because he did send them to me, and I um I think I messaged you for about the first four or five. Yeah, or something yeah, we like. started out. We started out like a house on fire. I was very yeah, positive. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the we had the first few. And the, the, the thing is, I I was um I was on my way home with one of my coworkers, and I think it was for Stingley. The pick for Stingley, he was he went number two. It was two, yeah, right? yes, three. He went three. Three, and we knew, three. We knew there we go. That as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I had it, and I and I said it because I was looking at the phone when we were in the car, and I said it before yeah. he and yeah. and he, and, and, and mind you, this man driving, you know. And when I said it, and he heard the pick up because we were looking at looking looking listening to it on the radio. So when I said it, and he heard me say it, he kind of looked across at me. He was like, <laughs> like he was very shocked that that <laughs> I predicted that pick because I didn't think he had him going that high. No, right? no, a lot of but people. But then I ended up telling me, yeah, you know what? This is not me. This is this is credit to my guy Rick in Barbados, one of the guys <laughs> that we always have on the pod. And I, I have his picks here and I was going through, but it was a good marker for me to use to be able to judge the picks. And even though there were so many trades, I found out a lot of the positions that they had going in particular places in the first round actually came to fruition. So it, it, it was good for in that regard. Barring one or two instances, it was, it, it was, it, it, it was good for me to follow. And I, I actually like using um, the guy's um, predictions so I look forward to doing that again next year for 31 teams. Uh, <laughs> well, no, well <laughs> no, I was surprised. I, I will admit, I was surprised to see all of the movement, all of the trades, especially of wide receivers. But the one thing that I noticed was conspicuous by its absence was trades of quarterbacks. As nobody pulled a trigger for Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield, and only one quarterback being drafted in the first round spoke to the overall quarterback quality of this draft. As only Pittsburgh, I guess you could say, was desperate enough to grab one. Now, I mean, we've been giving you your kudos, but you guys did a very good job predicting the first round. Your top three were all spot on. And most of the guys that you had put first round grades on went in the first round. So... 
Now that leads us to the next question, which is who had the best first round, Ricky? All right. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with two. Uh, Baltimore Ravens um, didn't really have the best first round. They had a good overall draft. So I can't go with them in that regard, but I think they had a good overall draft. First round wise, I don't want to sound like a homer, but I got to give my New York Jets some credit and manager Joe Douglas because he went for the for the sauce as we joked at four. He went for the wide receiver with Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State at 10. And just when you said, all right, happy with that, got two quality assets feeling good about yourself. Then I remember because I think Mark was on, on, on one of his big blue podcasts or they had a, a Zoom. And I just remember seeing it flash on the screen that the Tennessee Titans have traded the pick, but I didn't see which team. Then I saw the Jets pop up on the screen. So I was like, all right, the Jets clearly made this trade with the Titans. So at that point, I, I mean, Mark and I were talking about this, that Jermaine Johnson from Florida State was falling. So at that point, I legit started to feel that nervous energy. Like, are we going to take this guy? And then the Jets ended up taking him. So on that basis, I would say the Jets had the best first run because they got three, you know, quality assets when they went into the night really looking at, at two. From that perspective, I will have to go with my with my jets there. Okay. What about you, Mark? Who had the best first round? <laughs> well, both New York teams had excellent first rounds. That's the truth. I mean, no, no, I mean, no two ways about it. Um, up until pick 26, I was going to say the Giants, but I have to tell you that once the Jets traded back in to the first round to get Jermaine Johnson, Hands down, the Jets had the best first round, in my opinion. Uh, I, 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 I can't say otherwise. I mean, they had the team. I mean, there are other teams that had good picks, but I mean, you got you got three picks in the first round, right? I mean, and also the picks that you got initially are within the top ten and aced them, and probably in people's top seven, probably. I, I don't think you I, I I think you have to say give it to the Jets they did an excellent job okay fair enough so AJ who had the worst uh, first round of all teams in this draft <laughs> this is <laughs> you wrong for that <laughs> wrong for that <laughs> I watched he's your friend right he's your friend right Huh? He's your friend, right? Loosely. I use that, I'll use that term loosely. I watched the New England Patriots trade from, I think it was 21st to 29th or something like that. 21. And it went it was down 21 to 29. 29. Right. Yeah. There we go. Mm -hmm. Numbers in green in my head now. <laughs> um, and I, I, y'all know I've been bemoaning the fact that we're not very good in the draft. Mark, since you've known me, you've heard me saying that on this show. Ricky, since you know me, I like this, that's sure. since day one. For Can sure. you know that too? So this ain't no start, right? But at least I feel like we usually at least try something, right? I watched this trade from 21st and it was with, with, with the Chiefs. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. There we go. So we traded positions with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, traded down, and then drafted someone who I'm not even sure what his draft grade was, what, what, what his grade was. Is it like the, the obvious answer is in New England Patriots? <laughs> we had the worst first round and, and it and it translated into the worst entire draft. But I'll get into that a bit later on. <laughs> the fact of the matter is the draft was a bit strange. <laughs> pun, yeah, pun intended. And it, and it left me feeling very cold inside. I <laughs> I don't know what happened in the first round. I, I feel like I genuinely lost interest when I saw that pick. And that, that's in, in our draft, not, not overall. But mm-hmm. I mean, by that, well, usually I only do watch the first day in any case. But by that time, there were like four picks left, um, three picks left, sorry, after that. And I just kind of was zoned out afterwards. And I vaguely remember following what happened in the following days. But in the first round, there was no pick that made me scratch my head as much as pick number 29. I knew that you wanted to unburden your soul. So I wanted (laughs) to give you an opportunity to do so after all. You know, sometimes we we have therapy sessions here on the Green Beach Couch. Appreciate it here. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I'm always looking out for you, my brother. So... No, that we, we I, I don't think that we, we need to go around the horn on this one because we would all agree that picking Doctor Strange from the Multiverse of Madness <laughs> at the 29th pick overall, when most places had him ranked or rated to go third round at highest. Third round, yeah. Then we don't, again, we don't need to, to all discuss that one. So no, we look at the entire draft. All seven rounds, all 262 picks. AJ... You gave me the segue, so I'm coming right back to you again. Which team had the worst draft overall? My answer remains the same. My answer remains the same. I, I don't see how I don't see how any team outside of the New England Patriots had a worse draft. To be very, very honest. I think we had the worst draft um, of any team that was in the playoffs last season which then translate to the worst, worst draft. Because probably the only other teams that had a stranger draft were like the Seahawks, and I can't even remember who else. Because I can't remember the Seahawks being very good. But in our case, we're supposed to be like trying to build something something more, like build upon what we were last year. And, and if, you look, if you look under the microscope, like look in terms of our division, everyone in our division had a really good draft. Everyone had a really good draft. In addition to being a, 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 a in addition to the free agent um, market, right? Free agency, and and them being like the Bills are now a, a, an attractive destination. The Jets had an had an incredible, incredible draft, and it pains me. It pains me to my core to have to admit that. But I was in awe, and Ricky just said it, so I don't want to recap the minutia of every single draft pick that they had but the Jets had an Jets had an incredible draft we know what the Dolphins did uh in terms of of, of um the transactions and their trade right and then their draft the draft was still not bad enough mm-hmm. 
after following the New England Patriots draft, the only thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing Devontae Parker. That is the only thing that I'm looking forward to. And this is, this is hoping that this man does not get injured as much as, as, as eight games this season. I'm hoping that he could play at least three quarters of the season because I do not know exactly what happened. I, I don't understand. The, 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 the thing is, the thing is, if we were completely rebuilding this team, it would be a difference. And I, the thing, you know what? I, I don't even feel like our draft was horrible. It was, it was in a sense, like lower level solid, but that's, that doesn't cut it given the level that we're at and the level we are trying to, to aspire to be especially based on how our division is going at this point, right? Like we have, we now have Matt Jones who's a second year quarterback and, and we give him an option. He, mind you, last year, he didn't prove that he could throw like very far down the field, but we give him a burner. So mm -hmm. a, a man who doesn't, that, who isn't very good at yak, but who, who could give you, uh, like um, take a top of the defense or whatnot because of his speed. All right, cool. But let, let me see how that translates because Bill is not an offensive mind. And we just lost, lost Josh McDaniels. So I, I'm, 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 I am befuddled and perplexed at what I saw. And I'm just, I, I, once again, I have to go into this season hoping, hoping, just wishing that Bill actually knows what he's doing so that he could pull us out of the quagmire that, that he dug us into in the first case. Because as much as we've won in the past, I'm just not confident in this division. Last year, at least, I was feeling a bit more bullish. I was like, you know, remember, Ken, last year, I did say, I told you we're going to get into the playoffs. This mm -hmm. year, I honestly don't know at this point. And it's very early because it doesn't mean that everyone that we drafted is going to make the roster. You never know who else you might pick up and whatnot, who else you might trade for. I'm, I'm hoping there are moves still to come. But at, at this point, I am I'm flabbergasted, honestly. I... I'm really lost. The Patriots were the worst, the, the worst organization in that draft. Understood. Um, gentlemen, do you have anything to add? Um, or do you have another pick for the team who had the worst draft in this uh, 2022 NFL draft? I would just I would just say that we okay. We don't know how each team really actually have their big boards, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, so like um, drafting a Cole Strange or whatever, may you know, it, we may seem to think that that's totally out of whack, but it might it might be that it is okay for them for whatever reason. Maybe they had some idea that he might have been drafted. I don't know. I mean, I I myself and everything that I have been looking at leading up to the uh to the draft cold strange was like a third round pick maybe you might somebody might say second but third round and he was a oh, and he's not a tackle there's i mean you know the only two um interior linemen that you know you could you would say could touch the first round would be tara lindenbaum zion johnson and uh kenyon green and, and I think Tyrell Lindenbaum is kind of on the board. Remember, we did talk in the earlier session that Tyrell Lindenbaum was dropping. Mm -hmm. He didn't drop out the first round, 
but he did drop all the way to 25. So, um, you know, so I, I mean, so, but I guess the main point I want to make is that you just never know because these drafts, you don't really know to two, three years down the road whether they're really successful or not. <laughs> that That's the reality. And so you, so a team may have, you know, aced it, but if the coaching is bad or whatever the case, who knows, you know, or one element of the of the team is really bad, like the quarterback or something was a key element. The team may not perform well and, you know, the players don't perform well and they don't live up to their potential and, you know, makes no difference. So everything's got to come together. The coaching, the players, the scheme, you know, everything's got to come together. Yeah. So that's all I want to say because we, we say bad grade, we say good grade. A lot of teams generally look like they drafted pretty well, in my, my opinion, a lot of teams. They're not really too many teams that you might come out and say, well, they really drafted badly. But there are some. We'll see. Yeah, and he's see, AJ, it's not all doom and gloom. Maybe there is I, some hope on the you know on the horizon. I very much appreciate Mark's optimism, but I dwell in a world of reality when it comes to these Patriots because I'm not going to have any wool yanked over my eyes. If if this was an if this was an outlier year and we were normally good at the drop, then I'd understand what you were saying. But this is something I feel like we do not, like year in, year out, we are bad at. And then it just didn't seem to get better this year, which is why I'm so filled with gloom and doom, like I'm in Dexter's lab. I understand. I mean, I, I mean, Bill has been, generally, and I, even when he was winning, went, winning Super Bowls, mm -hmm. not drafting well, in my opinion. Doing well on the free agency market, but not drafting well. And, and which, which is why I mentioned as well, I'm hoping that we're attacking free agency or, or trying to, to, to like get another trade or two in. Because at this point with the draft, we, it just did not hit for me. But you know what? I'm sorry, Ricky, I haven't let you. But it's, interest, but it's interesting because why, okay, you were good at that strategy. In fact, the, I mean, essentially, um, the Rams have taken that strategy and upped it a notch, right? <laughs> and and um, so why is it that the Patriots are now sort of like they're sort of like actually turning away from that, actually focusing on the draft more than they have been before, which which I find kind of interesting and curious. So anyway, but there are some people who are there who are in the head office that are no longer there now, and maybe that also has an impact on you know on all of this. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> So, Mark, you were saying that the Jets had the best first round. Do I you believe so. that the Jets had the best draft overall? I, they certainly won the teams, in my opinion, that had the best draft overall. I got the Ravens and the Chiefs in that in the, in there as well. I think mm -hmm. those three. I think those three teams really, I mean, knocked it out of the park when it comes to. I mean, the, I mean, the, the Ravens. How many picks in the in the fourth round, six or something six, like that. Six fourth round picks. Yeah, six fourth round picks. Now this draft, remember we talked about it before. We said, you know, the first, the first part, of the first round. Yeah, okay. And then there's a sort of like a little kind of a lull, and then you're gonna, and it gets thick between that third, fourth, and fifth round. So you're gonna mm -hmm. get players in the fifth, you know, that might have been fourth, and and because the um. 
because even what we, what we talked about earlier about the big board and stuff like that there, because it was such a interesting draft in that way, some teams are going to have second rounders in the fourth and some teams fourth round and second and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So um, I think, uh, yeah, so people were willing to sort of trade back and get more picks in that part of the draft. And I come away with some with some quality players, and they definitely came away with what we think to be quality players. I mean, we you know it's all you know you never know, but they look to be quality players. Ravens, very good. Chiefs, good draft as well. And Jets, yeah. From from where where I can from where I, I stand, those three teams I think um, had you know the best overall draft. Well, but you're key. Who had the best draft Yeah, yeah I, I had the, again, pass on the Jets this time. Like I say, Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Atlanta Falcons as well. I think the Falcons focused on need. Falcons stopped going after the shiny object. And when you look at the picks that Atlanta made, they really said, you can see that they were determined to stick to their needs. Drake London, obviously, they needed a wide receiver to uh, augment Kyle Pitts. They went for the edge from Penn State, which they needed um, as well. And then they just they just kept going. We knew that they needed a QB. Surely Marriott is not a long-term answer. So they rolled it based on Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. They went for another edge. They went running back. They went for Tyler Algier, a, a, a good running back, solid guy from BYU. So they just, you know, like steadily went after the various needs. So I... I liked what the Falcons did. The Chiefs, Chiefs were impressive. Chiefs um, rolled some dice on some players, which I thought was good in terms of um, going for Sky Moore, in terms of going for the uh, edge from Michigan, Bojabo. He fell. They were able to get him on day two. They were able to get Travis Jones, another interior defensive lineman that I liked. So again, and they got another running back that I liked um, as well. So Gotta like, gotta like, um, gotta like what these players did. But I like the Ravens. I like the Ravens because to to have six picks in the fourth round and to still get that kind of quality to move down and still get a Kyle Hamilton at safety. I really like what the what the Ravens did. Okay, understood. Well, I know from my research, looking up stuff, the two names that were consistently at the top were the Baltimore Ravens and the Jets as having the two best drafts this weekend. And the Patriots, unfortunately, AJ, the pundits agree with you that they were not very good this weekend. So, Ricky, no, tell me, you, you've spoken about others, but now I want you to zero in on your Jets. Tell me, as a Jets fan, how do you feel about what the Jets were able to accomplish this weekend? Yeah. I, I felt great, and I felt great from last year. Joe Douglas just showed us a different approach, which we like, again, going after the needs of the team, deciding, you know, we can say we want, I, I was not a Zach Wilson fan, let me say that up front, but he's worked on the offensive line to protect him. He's worked now on getting him weapons. So to see that, we said, okay, last year we addressed the offensive side early out, and we went for things to protect our young quarterback. Um, this year, that aggression translated on both sides. You saw um, going for Sauce Gardner, who's arguably one of the, the top two 
um, cornerbacks in in the in the draft in this draft class, going for a wide receiver in Garrett Wilson to help his young QB, but then also going for Jermaine Johnson at edge. That left Jets fans obviously feeling ecstatic after the first round, and then the second round um, moved up to get um, Brees Hall. You know, worried that maybe Houston would take him, um, would nab him. You know, they moved up, traded with the Giants, no less, to get that position to go for Brissol, who was arguably the top-rated running back in the class. So in two occasions, our GM showed that he's willing, look, we're not going to stick to the script here. We're going to move up and go after the player we want, which, I mean, yes, the same thing Mark said. You wait to see how the panel, but you got to feel good about the fact that here's a highly-rated cornerback, highly-rated wide receiver, highly-rated edge piece, maybe top three, uh, um, arguably, the number one rated running back, and you're willing to move up to get the player you want rather than say, okay, you're going to hold on to so many picks. So it was good as a Jets fan to feel like, all right, we're doing something right in this phase and hope that translates into, into wins this season. So, yeah, I, I felt really good about that as a, as a Jets fan. Okay, understood. So, Mark, now over to you. Your Giants, tell me what about your Giants' draft and, and how you felt about what they did. Uh, it's a little mixed. Um, I think Jets had a good draft overall. I think, um, but it's mixed. Like the the first day, they knocked it off, knocked it all the park. You know, round one. I mean, Thibodeau, um, Neil. To me, it, I think I think they're the two best at each in in each category. That's my opinion. But they knocked it all the park. Uh, day two was where. It kind of went a little wonky. You had um, a wide receiver um, that was picked in the second round that a lot of people probably had in the fourth round or even some maybe in the third round. But what what I would say and what I think what I think is going on here and 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 the latest news to me is that the, the Giants fired their chief, their head of scouting, and the other per person who also dealt with player personnel. They fired them. Now, that's not surprising, but when I think back now to the press conferences and the general manager talking about the, how the, you know, how he, he focused a lot on the coaches and talked about how the coaches, um, the input that the coaches have. So that suggests to me that the coaches had more of an input than the scouts might, more than they might normally have. Not saying that the scouting information was, you know, one side, but they had more and more. So it's sort of like if you go down the line and you see we had 11 picks and you see pretty much they covered almost every need that they needed in the draft. This is very unusual, right? So, so it, it begs the question of best player available need. So I suspect that they may say, okay, coach, you know, what do you need here? What do you need here? That sort of thing. Um, I have a, a theory on the Rondell Robinson um, pick at, in, the, in the second round. Um, Kafka comes from Chiefs. Um, Dable comes from the Bills. Also, Shane Shane said that he had done four rounds of the um, of the draft before he was hired as GM. He would then he would know exactly how the Bills' big board was starting to organize. 
Kafka may also have some idea, maybe had an idea that Tariq Hill was going to be traded. So if you, we drafted Randall, Wendell Robinson and the chief drafted Skymore. Now, maybe we, you know, when everybody's saying, okay, who's this guy Robinson? But when you actually go and check now for his, um, for his production, the guy caught 104 passes for 1,300 yards. This is in the SEC. They have, they have guys, they have corners that have said he was the hardest person to guard. So very interesting. I didn't know as much about him, so I had to go and check him out, right? And so we'll see how that is. I mean, but he's a, he, he started off as a running back. As you know, he started off as a running back in high school, but became a and became a receiver. He was at Nebraska, went over to Kentucky, right? Because he didn't think he was being used well at Nebraska. So very interesting. Um, in terms of the other, if, one thing that, that I think shows through the entire draft is uh, versatility. They stress versatility. So even the old linemen that they pick, they can play a number of positions. So they'll play tackle, they can play inside, all that sort of thing. And so, so you might say that a lot of people will say that the day two picks were a reach. But then I think we came back down to earth a little bit on day three, and we got some good value. The, the very last pick of our draft in sixth round, uh, Beavers, is a typical pick maybe the Patriots might pick, you know, a, a, a linebacker, you know, and he was probably a lot of people predicting he might go in the fourth round, something in the third round, but we got him in the sixth round. So when you say A, you got to say B. So I, I right now, to me, we got to see how the personnel and the scheme match up. And that's how we're gonna know whether or not the, the draft is really successful. Okay, understood. So my saints, on most of the lists that I saw, um, the saints were on the lower end of the ratings. We only have five picks in this draft, but I have to give them credit. They nailed the first two picks, in my opinion, Chris Olave from Ohio State and Trevor yeah. Penning. Agreed. Remember when we talked, um, not just last week, but mm -hmm. the first time when we discussed the draft, I said that we had needs at wide receiver and we also had a need at offensive tackle because yeah. of the, the losses that we've had and the fact that our wide receiver core was pretty poor last season. So... Then the third position that we would have had a need for was safety. And they tried to address that in the second round as well when they picked up, what is his name? I just had it here. Um, Alante Taylor from Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know Alante Taylor. I'm very appreciative though that the Saints did what I thought they should have done from very early on, which was to sign Teron Matthew to a contract when he was a free agent. We should have signed him from the beginning and not pick up Sorensen, who I expect to be cut before the end of training camp. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> the Saints, the, the, the issue that I had 
with the CSS draft in this, this particular thing. And I mentioned this when we spoke last week about the amount that they gave up to get up from 18 to 16 and also get that second first-round pick at 19. Then they give away the, the 16th pick plus mm -hmm. our picks in rounds three and four to move up to 11. Mm -hmm. So if you're just looking at, the, at what happened in the draft in isolation, it's still a fairly big move up from 16 to 11, giving away your third and fourth row picks, where there's a lot of value to be found in those middle rounds. <clears throat> but then, if you take it in its totality and see what the Saints did in the first place, just to get to 16, then it's, it, it is mind-blowing. So, okay, Olave... Clearly is the wide receiver that they really wanted to get. Okay, fine. No problem. But you've basically mortgaged the entire form now to get Olave. Now, I expected that they would have also picked up a linebacker in this draft. And they said linebacker because Demario Davis, he's not getting any younger. But now, rather than you being able to pick up a linebacker in round three, now you're getting that linebacker in round five. And then, I don't know why we picked another de defensive tackle in round six. I am sure that there are lots of other players in other positions that they could have gotten. For example, we could have gotten, we could have picked up another wide receiver. We can't have too many for the shallowness that our wide receiver core was last season. But they have addressed a lot of that in the um, undrafted free agents because the Saints have picked up, I think, it was 19 at my count. They picked up quite a few. So now we'll see what the rest of the roster shakes. So I, I was enthused by what I saw happen in the first round, except that we gave away our picks in rounds three and four. But we have clearly thought that the Saints are still a contender, as especially in the NFC South. They believe that we can still pick off Brady and the Buccaneers, we've beaten them in the regular season every chance we've gotten. So there's still optimism to be had there. But then when you look at what they've done now relative to the rest of the league, like I see Mel Kuyper, for example, he was concerned about the Saints not necessarily fortifying themselves in the quarterback position, even though he also has been on the record saying, this is not a great quarterback draft. I don't, you can't. You can't say one thing and then come back and say something different on the other end. You're mm. not being fair in that regard, in my opinion. But this was 2022. That was the draft. There were lots of other moves that we did not discuss, like the trail of A.J. Brown and, and others. But, of course, there will be time to definitely delve into all of that as we progress. <sighs> Fellas, I have, I feel like if we've talked a lot about this draft, though, I know AJ is sick and tired of hearing anything about the draft. 2022 has not been kind to him. It is what it is. It is what it is. Let, let, let me be, I mean, I don't want to be completely unjust, right? I, I actually don't mind 
the selection of the two corners because um, I feel that is at least one position that Bill can develop um, that he's shown over the years. At least, well, if not him, defensive coordinator, whoever the case is, but I feel that is one position that that has the potential to be developed at the Patriots. But it's just that the rest of I mean, we really drafted a Bailey Zap as the next Jared Stidham. <laughs> I mean, what, what's there to look forward to right now? I, <laughs> I'm sorry. And, I'm and sorry. the irony to it, AJ, is that you have you have on your coaching staff lead assistants who have now both had stints in the NFL as head coaches. So it is not like they're inexperienced when they put their minds together in that room. That's the part about it that, you know, I, that's the part that I find surprising. It's not like these guys haven't been in that head coach position now and understand the process. So we will see. But I mean, you know, you know Bill is Palpatine. Speaking of which, is, it is Star Wars Day. So mm-hmm. may the fourth be with you all. Yes, um, may the fourth be with you. May the fourth, may the fourth correct. Is it, it, it you know Bill is Palpatine, so he has to control everything. So I I I am just in a constant state of befuddlement at this point, like I said. So I'll I'm just waiting to see what the season holds, but I have no high expectations, that's the honest truth, once again, because I honestly feel that our division rivals have closed the gap. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean I mean notwithstanding the pick of strange uh, as high as it was i still think he's a good guard though mm-hmm. I, I do think he's a good guard mm-hmm. uh, but other than that um the two, running, are, the two running back picks were yes i was going to say i was just about to say that that they have that, so many running backs but pierre yeah but pierre strong is a good running back though i, Agreed, I, I think but, he, i think he's a good you running still back. have harris and yeah. ramondre stevenson you still have, I mean, he's getting older, yes, but you, I don't know, I don't know. But what about the wide receiver, mm. Thornton? I thought, I, I I like him too, but I thought he was picked kind of high as well, but I do like him as a wide receiver. I like Thornton. I'm, 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 I'm not as much against his potential as I am against the fit. Hmm. Okay. Because, because, yeah, because like I said, one thing that I, I read afterwards, because I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I did not know much about him. But one thing that I saw afterwards, and obviously these reports could be wrong because they very often are. But one thing I saw was that he is, and I, well, one thing I did know, obviously, was his speed, um, what he clocked at, at, at the combine and whatnot, the fastest receiver, whatever the case was. Cool. But he apparently is not a receiver who, as I mentioned before, it gets a lot of yards after the catch. He's a deep threat. Right. So, so, I, so I mentioned that, right? And yeah. I don't see how last season we have, Matt Jones has shown that he's adept at, at keeping the ball downfield. Mm. Hence my concern. And I'm not saying he can't do it, but I'm saying at this point, I'm, I'm, it's something I need to see to believe because I haven't seen enough evidence last season to suggest that he's yes, going point. to be, that, that Thornton is not is, is going to be an immediate threat. It, it yeah. looks like we're still going to be using Aguilar and, and Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. And your so wide receiver, your wide receiver room is packed. No. Yes, yeah, so it, it is. It is. So I don't even know what if Thornton can make this 52. That's the point. You ain't even calling the Keel Harry's name. Like, yeah. 
You <laughs> added the name I forgot was Devontae Parker, but don't don't tell me about this Nikhil Harry boy, the young sir. He could move on. I want to say though that the the I well you might you could call it head scratching if you want, but I want to say I was surprised by the discipline of the teams at not overdrafting quarterbacks in this mm. draft. Yeah. In fact, they even went further. I mean, I can't I, I couldn't believe it really. Okay, we we felt only one would go in the first round, but we certainly didn't think that the next one was going to go into round three. Agreed. We also didn't think that 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 one one guy who was supposed to be drafted was going to follow the draft completely, right? Okay, he's got some injury stuff, but I didn't think the injury stuff was that critical that he would literally follow the draft. Mm -hmm. um, Sam Hall went in round five. I mean, so it, you know, I. I personally like Desmond Ritter, so I think that he could be a good QB, and he does. He's not. He's not going to be under any pressure at all. So to start, he's not going to be under any pressure, in my opinion. So we'll see. But um, interesting enough, the Steelers have said, "Yeah, there'll be a comp quarterback competition." In other words, Kenny Pickett could start. And of all the wide receivers in the draft, Kenny Pickett is probably the most NFL ready. Mm. So I can imagine how Trubisky must feel because he went there looking for a starting job. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's going to happen, but <laughs> that's going to make it quite interesting. Well, he will not be the last one that went to a team expecting to be starting and then the team drafted <laughs> his replacement just as soon as he got him through the door. That's so, true. He, but no. You don't feel for him at all. Nope. He has to understand that this is the nature of the business. And there's a, there's a friend of mine who likes to talk about how uh, Trubisky, before there was COVID, used to practice social distancing between the ball and the receivers. So... <laughs> Right now, we'll see. The unfortunate <laughs> thing is where the um, Steelers are concerned is that a lot of the conversation is that Pickett is giving you the exact same thing that Trubisky does. He's an athletic quarterback who has a decent arm and struggles with his accuracy. So, we'll see. We'll see. We, we shall see. There, there's been a lot of setting up for the future and it's definitely going to be exciting whenever we start getting into training camp and we start seeing the cuts. And of course, as players are dropped off of one team, then you're often picked up by another team. So AJ, it might not be looking great right now, but it's only May. There's a lot that can happen between now and September. I am telling you this as your friend on the show, <laughs> but you know that the amount of love I have in my heart for your New England Patriots. Exactly. I would love for you Everybody guys to be having a first, the, your first round pick next season could be in the top three. That's just me. That's just me. But gentlemen, at this point, I don't have a comeback. <laughs> so, gentlemen, I do want to appreciate and say thank you very much for all of your insight and your help over these last couple of weeks. We could not have done these draft shows without you. I don't know many 
almost any of these players. So I do want to say thank you very, very much. Your insight was extremely valuable. Um, we shall see how things go when the new NFL season gets going. Like I said, there's a lot to come. Training camp is going to start shortly, the rookie training camp first, and then they're going to get into the full-scale training camps. Unfortunately, injuries tend to happen during training camp. We hope that none of these players get injured, but we understand that that's also a part of the business. But the Green Bay podcast has been running no strong since just before um, the preseason. We've taken you all the way through the draft. So I know that things are going to settle a little bit on the NFL front. We're also going to settle a little bit. We're going to take a bit of a break. But we are going to be with you on Sundays. We are committed to being on Instagram Live every Sunday during these NBA playoffs. Right now, things are looking pretty interesting. Um, those of you who are watching this as we air it on Wednesday, you know that we record this on Tuesday. So the the um, the Grizzlies are currently playing against the Golden State Warriors, but I don't have it on, so I don't know what the score is, but I knew that the Bucks got blown out by the Celtics. So as we go and we see you on Wednesday, then you can hear our recap of what happened in this week in basketball. We have get you ready for the next week. AJ, any parting words for the folks this last episode this season? Don't message me. <laughs> Don't message me to talk about any Patriots or any football until about at least week four. Like, give me, give me a quarter of the season to let me recover and see what happened. Otherwise, don't talk to me. But it's been fun rocking with everybody, honestly, that has been with us for the entire season. Um, I'm really sorry that I had to end the season in, on this glum note. However, I appreciate all of you. Mark and Rick, I, of course, I, I, I very much appreciate what you guys have done for us during the season and um, the insight that, that you've provided um, for the draft. It was very useful to me. I, I wish it could have been more useful to my organization generally, but I can't even blame you all for that. That's not on you. <laughs> we just have a strange way of approaching things. So, um, again, yeah, just... Cool. Uh, cool. Cool it, it's a cool world. It's a cool world, Rick. It's a cool world. But just genuinely, like, thanks to you guys and looking forward to doing Sundays and we will see you for the next NFL season. Mm -hmm. yeah, Strange things happen, right? Oh, yes. Definitely. <laughs> so, for us, for the Green Bears podcast, in my Saints gear today, I am Ken. I am the Bidge. That is AJ in his Patriots gear. He is the Green. Again, thank you very much to Ricky and to Mark. And we at the Green Bridge Podcast will see you next time.